0: Sokala Duma Radio. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Rep. Stand by for an extremely packed and entertaining show. Sokala Duma's Gracia, Shaista, Lerato, and Celine will talk all things transfers, while international editor David Capel explores the World Cup, group stages, and beyond. We'll also update you on the news that made the football headlines this week and also check out what was covered on this week's edition of the Sokala Duma newspaper.
1: So radio? So radio? Hey SL Radio fans, my name is Grasha Michael Simpson. I'm the web sub-editor here at Sokola Duma. And in this week's Transfer App, we have a special edition of the Transfer, transfer App. It's an all-women affair. We have our two journalists, um, Sia Gaboza journalist, Sha'ista Kaida and print journalist, Celine Abrams, and our Sokoladuma Duma social media, Larato Mkondo. And they'll be giving us all the latest details on the Transfer News for this week. Now we know we're going to start it. Last week, last week was a huge week because on Friday last week, Kama Beliat signed for Kaiser Chiefs. There's been a long, long, long speculation about what has been happening, where is Kama going? One of our journalists here in studio today, Shaista, she broke the news on the website. Shaista, the situation with Kama is is that nobody knew where he was going. He got offers from Egyptian club Zamalek. He declined the offer. Now he's staying in gauteng how did all of this come about?
2: I, I just think at the end of the day, Kama wanted to stay in South Africa. Um, he was here since, you know, the very beginning. He started out with Ajax and he was comfortable here. His family's here. Um, yes, he has so much potential to go to Europe and there was office But um, like what I've heard and what I've been told, um, he was set on the move to Chiefs all along. Um, like Chiefs have such a good relationship with Zimbabweans and you know back in their country like Chiefs is a household name so I think like he probably wanted to end his career there like besides Mamaluri Sundance he had an amazing career with the club but I think it was always in the back of, of his mind to you know finish Finish his, I wouldn't say finish his career because he's still got like a few years left and based on his contract. Line.
1: Do you think that he would fit in at Chiefs? Do you think there's room for him to grow? Do you think that there'll be a, the standard that he has, at, that he had at Sundowns? Do you think there's a way for him to actually maintain that standard? I know the fans are all waiting for some kind of trophy. It's been three trophy-less seasons and there's still no
2: coach. Mm-hmm. You cannot actually answer this question until they have a coach. Because how Kama plays is based on the coach's tactics and how the coach wants the team to play in formation and everything. And if that doesn't suit him as a player, he can be a world-class player. But if he doesn't fit into a system that the coach wants, then you'll never see the best out of Kama again. So I think we should just wait and see who's the coach. I think only time will tell. The moment we see Kama kick a ball for Chiefs and then we can judge him.
3: True, true. Just to add on what um, Shai saying. I mean, um, it's not like uh, Chiefs is something new to him. Um, he's been in South Africa. He knows how um, how Chiefs played. Like he's played um, against um, Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, it's just now being there, being part of the team, and the fact that he's been Given Jay-Z number 11, uh, we, we shall yeah. see. And I mean, looking at the players that have have done that Jay-Z previously at Kaiser Chief and have contributed uh, massively um, to, to, to, to Kaiser Chiefs' success, that is something uh, I'm pretty sure that um, Kaiser Chiefs um, supporters are looking um, forward to more definitely. That's an interesting point,
1: Lerata. Now, um, with regards to what Kaiser Chiefs fans are actually looking for for the upcoming season, I'm going to take you back to um, what I mentioned earlier, <laughs> the coachless situation. Um, there's been rumors of Baxter making a return. Bafana Bafana is going to play qualifiers in September for AFCON, Um Safa says no no Baxter still under contract. What's going on there? Do you do
3: you know anything? Um, based on I work on supporters club also. Um, from my conversation with the supporters um, of Kaizer Chiefs um, in particular they want uh, Baxter uh, back at, uh, at at at the at Naturena. Looking at how he finished his season at the club with a double um, before uh, leaving the club, they feel like if he were to come back, um, he would um, still resurrect Chiefs and take them back to the glory days. So he definitely won Chiefs. Bafana Bafana denying uh, that Chiefs have come forward with an offer for Baxter, it's, it's a really tricky situation. <laughs> that is, it is. <laughs> and Shai, as Shai said that uh, they've started their pre-season training, who's training them. We understand that uh, Patrick Mabedi is the interim yes. coach, but uh, if they still are going to hire someone uh, for the permanent head coach, yes. I think the sooner the better and cheats then they're running out of position. And, and I, I add something, sure.
2: uh, Bafana Bafana are publicly denying. <laughs> guys, <to> with <laughs> anything that happens in football, <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to give you all the information. information. What happens in the background? They're gonna keep you out of it for as long as it takes because media speculation can sometimes, you know, get in the way get in the way of negotiations and stuff. And you don't want to put pressure on Safa and Baxter. And at the end of the day, they're gonna make an announcement. Yeah it is what it is but like right now i think they're denying it just you know to keep things running smoothly, smoothly. i don't know that's just my opinion i think also that
1: Pafana Bafana has been or safa has been in too many a situation where a coach's contract was ended abruptly they had to pay the coach out they had to look for a new coach and i think probably they don't want this with Stuart baxter i mean they had it with regards to Compella, he just upped and left and then on that issue with compella celine Compeller going to South—it wasn't that just random?
4: That was very, very random. I mean, Com- Compeller's had three rough seasons. <laughs> Chiefs, I mean, not getting any silverware. A lot of pressure coming in from him. I mean, the supporters wanted that silverware and he wasn't able to get it. I mean, if you look at him, there could be management that maybe wasn't the only problem. So there's also management. So we can't always put uh, blame on Steve Compeller and say, okay, you were there you didn't do anything you failed but you also look at, you need to look at the system you need to look at the team you need to look at the players that he had he didn't have the best players he had players that were there that won with, with the baxter so that was also that played a part and now that him going to blue Fountain celtic i mean he's back in the free states because he was a previously a free state star so maybe a little less pressure on him now going into blue Fountain celtic he doesn't have the supporters there you know that will be putting that pressure on him that you'll have that support I mean we know see they're faithful they love their club a, a lot so maybe he'll have be feeling at home at uh, you know at Bloomsday Celtic
1: that's interesting um, I think maybe if he tries to find he could have found a better fit for himself as a coach um, what do you guys think he'd be he perform like in his first season
2: um, I just think that like with what Celine said about pressure there are good coaches, there are amazing coaches, and Steve Campbell is a great coach, but I mean pressure says a lot about you at the end of the day, you can be a good coach but then you can't perform under pressure. As she said, at Chiefs he walked in with pressure because of the, the legacy that backs the left. How many trophies did that man win with Chiefs? Imagine walking into that team and the expectations on you to win a trophy, so I think at Celtic he'd be much more at ease, you know, be able to do what he needs to do and, you know, surprise the, the PSL. Like, look with coach Luke Emil at Free State Stars. Did anyone think they were going to win the Ned Bank Cup? Did anyone think Free State Stars are going to win a trophy before Chiefs? No. Why? Because there was no pressure. Also,
3: speaking of pressure and how his season is going to be, his first season, Div Compella at Chiefs, is going to be. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on Him, maybe the first um, five to six games, considering the fact that he's from um, Kaiser Chiefs. So, people are going to be focusing on how he will be adjusting at Bloom Celtic and looking at those already issues with Bloom Celtic. Celtic fans don't know whether their the club is staying in Bloom already or it's going, so all those kind of things uh, that Steve has to adjust to. So, we will see if we look
1: at. Um we keep going back to
3: Chiefs. It's just big news all the time, <laughs> <SG's>. you know.
1: <laughs> if we look at um, some of the player movements at Chiefs, right, um, they've been making decisions without a coach, which has been interesting. They've managed to sign players without the coach, which that's something I didn't actually predict. um, Koz- Kozwayo, um left, Virgil Fris coming in. What do you guys think about that? How do you think he'll compare? Where do you think he'll fit into the hierarchy? Okay.
4: That uh, one is, was very surprising. You know, supporters didn't expect that to happen because if you, again we go back to Chiefs and their signings, I mean, they signed up Billiard, that was big, and then you go and you get Virgil uh, Fresh, and nothing against Fresh, but if you compare him to and you call him Brilliant Kuzwayo's replacement, I mean, brilliant, he did give uh, Kunia a run for his money. But uh, obviously, with Kune he held that position. So Fries coming in, and you're looking at, at him over the the seasons. I mean, from 2011, and he hasn't really done. He's not a household name, and he hasn't really done as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see because he's. I mean, look at his last uh, for Baraka. He's uh, made 22 appearances and on and whopping 29 goals that he's conceded. So. It, it really comes in there if you, he really wants to challenge Kune and dethrone him, he's gonna have to pull his socks up a lot. You know, uh,
2: I agree with Celine, but um, I don't think we should call him why Kuzway's replacement, even though he is. I think Brunel Kuzway is an amazing player, and I mean, if he gets game time also he can compete to be Bafana Bafana's number one. I get criticized for saying this all the time, but back to freeze. Conceiving goals has a lot to do with your defense. So um based on who his um, defence line is next season, I think he wouldn't have much of a problem. The only problem he's gonna have is competing with Kune. So as for as long as Kune is fit, I don't see him starting it's the same case with yeah. yes. Yes. One was still yeah, yeah. achieves so that. I she don't see Kune yeah. Freeze. But like no offense to him. I know, like as uh, Salim brought up the stats, but that has a lot to do with your defense. I think if you give him a chance, he can prove himself, but True. not when Kune is but Sorry. True. True. True.
1: We'll keep to with incoming players at Kaiser Chiefs the confusion surrounding the new Madagascan signing. signing. Adria Marado, Lerato, what's going on there?
2: Uh, you know, <laughs> Can you say his full name? Yes, it Irato? Yes. Guys, please.
3: <laughs> I'll call him Dax. <laughs> yes. That's the name that he's confirmed on their Twitter I can you know, this, um, just maybe some people don't know more about him. He was sported um, during the Madagascar game when we were playing the Cup game. But Okay. He did well in the tournament. Uh, he did massive Liverpool. That's where Chiefs sported him. The latest is that um, a team from Madagascar uh, has claimed that um, they haven't had anything um, from Chiefs regarding the player. Chiefs confirmed the player last week, Friday, and the club was like, no, this person is still contracted with us until um two thousand and twenty. Wow. I'm not sure how true that is. Um, I'm sure Shai you've seen the thingy that's been making rather uh, Yes I answer. have,
2: but they said what they said the players is still contracted. But it's very easy for a player to leave a country. It's Madagascar a country. Yeah. Or mm. island. So no offense. Um it's very easy for a player to leave there and go sign for a big club like chiefs like he might have went there saying i'm a free agent i'm gonna sign mm-hmm. and maybe management should have done better management at chief should have done better to check his record if mm-hmm. yeah. he, he still has a contract or whatever so it's i'm interested to see how that ends, ends up though because i mean we could see this even going to court you know, Chiefs being involved in court cases and all this before they sign a coach. I don't understand. It's yes, it's,
1: it's a
3: bit messy, guys. And Chiefs uh, is quiet about the situation. They've been in a similar situation before with Castro. Remember in January when they said um, they announced that Castro is signed for them and then suddenly Castro, I don't think he went home and there was... Rumor that um, with his was it his work permit or something?
2: Yeah, well, when he, he left Sundowns, you have to get a new work permit because no, uh, Sundowns no longer give you the work permit, for Chiefs. But remember, um, Castro's deal was supposed to come to an end 30 Jan. So I think the way they announced it was as an official deal when maybe they should have said pre-contract because mm-hmm. once it gets yes. in the six months of his uh, six months of his contract, like the last six months, you can sign a pre-contract. But I guess. They were under pressure to please the fans, so I think they just went all out with of mm. official yeah, yes, Castro signs to Chiefs.
1: That is a fair amount of pressure, but one team that's not facing any pressure is Orlando Pirates. They've made some new signings,
4: they've released some players. Celine, tell us more. Well, oh, Pirates have been you know, surprising us, you know, and it's good to see that they are reinforcing the squad. And uh, they are already of some players and this week they let go of Makudubela. I mean, Skudu, as he is known you know, in the football circles, he's been having a hard time you know, trying to break into that Paris squad for the past seasons. And last season we saw him on loan at Chipper United, where also game time was, yo, he only made one appearance for the club, coming on as a substitute and getting so 19 minutes on the field for the entire season, I mean, that... Uh, if you looked at it and uh, Pirates management, obviously, they thought about it, bringing him in and thinking, you know, looking at the players that we do have at the moment, and the one, the new players that we have signed, I mean, where is this Makoto Bello going to fit in the squad? Yeah. I mean, it was going to be a mountain to climb for him just to break into their team. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, it is a, was a good decision for them to mutually agree to part ways, you know. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him somewhere else and maybe this is just a new, you know, it's a blessing disguise for Yeah, a fresh
1: start. A, a fresh
4: start somewhere else, yeah.
1: Sure. Moving to Sundance, there's been two new signings at Sundance. The Guinea-Bissau winner, to, winger, Tony Silva, and Venezuelan, Jose Ali Meza. Now, um, what's the latest there? Because as far as I understand, the Sundance even have place
2: on the foreign quota. Can I just say I broke the Tony Silver news. <laughs> <laughs> I did in Sierra Gavosa. Um No, they don't. Like all five of the foreign quota spots are filled. But uh, remember, we, we reported that Jeremy is trying to get these SA citizenship. But that may take a while. Um, once he get it, he can be registered as a local player. And then they have one spot available, but they have two foreigners to add. Um, the spots are filled with Serino, um, Nascimento, Primo Razak, Bangali, Samora, and Brocky. So I do know that um, Bangali and the goal- Ga- Ghanaian goalkeeper Razak has been linked with an exit. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see one of them leave, if not both, because you know Sundans are gonna have to register these two players. Uh, they look like promising signings. Um, I think the Tony Silver aspect was more for Africa. You know, he's, he, he plays for Guinea-Bissau and I've watched a few clips of him and he's quite convincing, a very pacey player. Um, but we'll see how he fits under Pizzo Mosumani. I've not seen anything of Jose Alameza, um, but we do know that when Sundown sou- signs South Americans, they seldom get it wrong. So I think, you know, the way Pizzo plays, is attacking football, we can see, you know. Something good happened from this. I mean, we've seen some brilliance from Sereno, so like it's all in time, give them time to fit in. But like, registration come on, in order for these players to play, they'll need to be registered, them. Them. which is gonna uh, be I a nightmare. Know that the first of July is the time for registration, and it's not just you know, arts or cash as well, as well.
3: Yeah.
1: guys. Um, let's go to the Sundance Persi Tao saga now, you know. Um, Pizza Musumane hasn't made a secret about he said a while back okay not that long ago but I mean he did say a while back that he's ready to give up and let go Kama Bullet and Percy Tao and he'll never hold any players back if they want to leave um, bullet has gone, Percy Tao seems wants to go to England um, there's a work permit issue because of South Africa, Bafana Bafana's FIFA ranking and amongst other things do you guys think you'll manage to get an offer before the new season starts, or what's happening there? Um,
3: as it has been reported also by SIA, that um, two English clubs have shown interest um, on Pesidao, uh, but now it's been difficult um, to keep getting the player from um, the Sundown side. Uh, this Pesidao and Sundown thing is, is a huge, huge, huge thing. Uh, it's a huge saga. On Sunday, um, we woke up to Twitter. People hashtagging #FreeKesidau <laughs> after what they read <laughs> from a certain publication. You know, I won't it mention. Yeah, yeah it to <laughs> laugh <laughs> you know. I won't mention. Yeah, so. I think Sundowns were, felt pressured to responding to that and they did release um, a statement during the course of the day um, stating how disappointed they are that um, they have been misinterpreted and uh, it's said in them that they, uh, people think they're standing in the way of uh Pesitao pursuing his um, European dream and whatnot. And a few minutes after the statement, Persi took to his... Uh, personal Twitter Instagram status seemingly um, hitting back at the club saying by the way, quoting there's no false statement and he quickly deleted that so it's, it's, it's a very tricky situation um, as to what and also it's been said that he did not pitch um, for, yes, the yes, for the pre-season yeah. yeah.
2: um, I just want to say that um, I get the whole free Percy housing, but I mean he's contracted to Sundowns Sundowns want what they want for Percy Tau. It's not that they're keeping him back. It they he's, he's their player, so they want the money they want for the player before yeah. they let him go. And I think that's fair. And it's he's an a flipping good player. player. And he's a worthless Like they've had him from the academy, and look what he's done for the club. Why can't they feel entitled to you know his career? I don't think they're ever holding back from going to Europe. No, that's not the case. But I think um, for the club, it's more like clubs from abroad need to respect sundowns. Like, you can't offer peanuts for a player as good as Percy Tau, you know what I mean? So I think, like, they want what they want, and that's fair. But yes, though, it's been taking a while and uh, we've seen this with Keegan Dolly, although it was a bit different with Dolly because Dolly had a buy clause in his contract, remember? Now it's just a straight transfer fee. So um what people don't understand is he can't just fly over to the United Kingdom and go play for an English club. True, true, true. There's work permits involved. And in order to get the work permit, you need to have Bafana Caps. And your national team needs to be ranked in the top 50 in the world. Aggregate, right? Exactly. And are we there? No, we're not. Exactly. Unfortunately, we can say, yes, Percy needs (laughs) to go play in England, but he can't physically play there. Yeah, if they sign him, they can loan him out, maybe to go in France or Portugal. But like, I think the whole basis of the thing is Sundowns need to let him go. I don't think they're fighting to keep him. Like, what more does he have to do? He's won the league, he's won, he's won the Cap- Champions, Champions League, league. Super he's Cup. Yeah. What he's won more so many things with the it. club. It's time yes? to move
1: on to greater yeah. things, I actually agree. Yes,
2: Pizzo is going to miss him in his team, but he's made so many signings, you know, to cover up for that. But like, people need to be fair when it comes to this uh, negotiating transfers and stuff. Like, I'm sure uh, the club know what they're doing. It's just taking a while for it to do so. And Fionn, the player is growing frustrated. The player's agent is is growing frustrated because they're not directly involved in transfer fees. It's the club. So I think it's just a matter of time when they agree on a transfer fee, then he'll leave. But now um, Brighton are saying, or reports are saying that Brighton are going to find it difficult to sign him. Which we knew that from the start. Like before we mentioning English club, you need to know that South Africans can't just walk into... England and play for them.
1: Thank you guys. Well, we'll leave it right there, guys. If you want to know anything more on the Persitao issue on Chiefs' new coach, don't forget to follow these girls. They've also been nominated in the G-Sport Awards. Um, Follow them on Twitter. Go to our website, www.soccerladuma.co.za and follow us at Soccer underscore Laduma on Twitter and get all the latest details.
0: The Sokaladuma newspaper is on sale every Wednesday. Here's a look at what was covered in this week's edition. Legendary African football writer Thomas Kunaita had a chat with former Nigeria international Victor Ikbeba. The gentleman reflected on Nigeria's past successes and the Super Eagles' exploits at the current FIFA World Cup. On the revolving column, coach Tebu Khomoloi added his voice on the views of the African teams and the performance at the current FIFA World Cup. Find out what he has to say about the likes of on Messi's World Cup thus far, in this week's uh, revolving column, David Capel is on the editor's column. Senegal's Ali Cisse happens to be the only black manager at the World Cup, that is, despite the increase in black players from various nations on the various continents. The international editor explores the lack of black managers through this intriguing column. Don't mess it. Finally, Celine Abrams chat to Orlando Paris and Zimbabwe's Marshall Muneti on the recently concluded Kosafa Cup and many more other things catch these stories and more on the latest edition of the newspaper well if you were sleeping the whole weekend have only waken up now here's a quick look at what happened in football this week poli city announced the signing of new head coach a 53 year old slovakian Jozef vukosic he takes over from coach bernard molequa and last coached fk spartak in the republic of latvia Additionally, Sean Bartlett has parted ways with the University of Pretoria, with sources indicating that the two parties have parted ways amicably. And the saga continues as the Bafana Bafana coach Stuart Baxter is being linked with Kaz Chiefs and with a move abroad, though he is still under contract. The South African Football Association have made it clear that the coach is fully committed to Bafana Bafana, though they have given no indication as, I- as to whether or not they will be opposed to his exit and lastly former england head coach sven goran Eriksson was one of the names being linked with a move uh, with to supersport united the move has now been deemed unlikely due to reasons not mentioned thus far by sources close to the club according to a source kaitano tembo seems to be the management's favorite to lead the team albeit still on an interim basis and now that you've woken up those were some of the stories making rounds in the world of football Right. I'm now joined in the studio by David Capelli, He's an international editor for Sokoladuma. David, thank you very much for your time. Um, doing better after
5: Germany got knocked out from the World Cup? I'm I'm still recovering. It will take a while to get over this one.
0: Mm. Alright, quickly about that as well. Not to dwell too much, uh, but your assessment of it. Was it a performance uh, or a mentality, complacency? What is it about the world champions that um, they crashed out within
5: the first phase
0: of the World Cup?
5: Look it's a, it's a complex issue you know it's not just answered by you know looking at what happened on the pitch there's a lot more things around that went, didn't really go Germany's way you know it started with um um Mesut Özil and İlkay Gündoğan taking a picture with a controversial picture with the uh, Turkish president and then there was a lot of negativity in Germany around the team they had to explain what's happening um and it went on and went on. Um ended off with Joachim Löw, you know, the coach that won the trophy four years ago, mm. not sticking to his plan, you know. He in every game he made five changes, you know, the first game um was supposedly his best eleven. The next game players were dropped, the third game they were back, you know, there was just no plan. Um and on the field obviously they looked complacent, you know, they didn't have that drive that they had four years ago. Um, everybody thought, you know, after that last-minute win against Sweden, wow, now it would click. Um, now we would see the real world champions yeah. in the third group game. They would easily beat South Korea. But then again, there there was, you know, no pace. It was always the same, you know, play the ball to Crows in midfield. He plays it out wide, mostly to the right side. And then... Either there was a cross that didn't end up on a Germany head or it was played back. You know, there was no pace, no... It was just a very disappointing campaign for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what do you anticipate as the reaction, though, um, as we move on to the next subject that we'll talk about? What do you anticipate as the next best reaction? Is it a complete overhaul, a change of coaching? I mean, I'm in Germany I respect because there is usually a thought process in what in how they do things. I don't think that it was a bizarre... A disaster in terms of style of play uh, in terms of chances created uh, it's just so unfortunate that they didn't move out from the group stages do you think that there will be a negative an extremely negative reaction in terms of changing of coaches changing of players
5: um i don't think they necessarily need a complete overhaul because if you look at this team and i will stick to that they're still one of the most talented teams that started absolutely the World Cup. absolutely um Personally, I feel it might be ch- time for change um, on the coaching level. Um, Joachim Löw has done phenomenal since he's taken over in 2006. He actually extended his contract just before the World Cup. Yes, I which, remember that. Um, I always feel it's like a weird moment to do that. Because, um, yes, you want to back your coach, you know, you want to go into the tournament with no question marks around him. But now, after this performance, they need to question him because, like I said, he was not as great of a coach as he was four years ago. There were a lot of, you know, 50-50 decisions that didn't go his way this time around. Um, I feel, you know, the team needs new ideas. You know, he's stuck with a lot of players that did well for him since he's taken over, that were stars at the 2014 World Cup. Um, but others maybe would have been more deserving of a chance. So that's why I feel you know a new coach needs to come in, you know that Sort of looks at the whole situation from an outsider point of view and makes new decisions, gives new ideas. Um, but we'll see. The the Germany president said they will, um, he spoke with Löw straight after the game um, Löw himself needs a bit of time to digest what actually happened in the tournament and we will hear in the next week or two uh, a decision whether he will stay on or not.
0: Mm. Alright, I, I, I must say that I didn't expect them to defend um, statistically you hardly defend a World Cup but I didn't expect them to crash out after group stages as well You have written for Sokoladuma in the past uh, few weeks back to back on Africa. Uh, the first one was the non-performance of African teams. And the, secondary, the second one, which was very, very interesting for me, uh, was your, your, your writing about the lack of African coaches, uh, even though there's an increase in African players playing for um, European sides, South American sides, and so on. So he, I, I, that was eloquently written. Uh, of course, now we need to talk about the non-performance of the African teams. Your assessment of them. Uh, what was the underlying theme in terms of why
5: they didn't perform? In terms of your assessment, first of all, thanks. You know for the praise. It's nice always to hear when you write something, when you put you know your thoughts and and minutes into or hours actually into writing. Yeah, yeah it takes a long like time. That. Yeah, um, you know it's it's nice to hear that sort of feedback. But you know the African World Cup, it started. Um, or let me say it ended like it started, you know, Senegal um, they were the best team that we had in the tournament, but yet again they conceded from a set piece that ultimately kicked them out of the tournament, you know, and if you look at that particular goal that they conceded against Colombia, you know, one of the defenders was leaning on the post, you know, there's this image going around on social media and you just cannot understand this attitude, you know. in a, in a game where they just needed a point, you know, um, that sort of attitude is just mind-blowing. mind, mind blowing. And that's sort of, you know, that picture that was painted throughout the whole tournament for the African teams. Um, they conceded late goals, they conceded from set pieces. I mean, for me, it's, I can't understand it because you only get to a tournament. Some of them haven't been there in 20, 30 years. You know, you get to a tournament not only every four years, but then you are there, you qualify, you know, you are the heroes of your nation and you are there with um, more limited players than most of the other big South American or European nations. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to set pieces, you need to be on alert because you're doing your bits in the game, you know, to keep the opponents out. But when it comes to set pieces, I don't understand how they can concede so many easy and silly silly goals.
0: Yeah, and on that, David, you know, uh, I I made the observation in in reaction to... Uh, Senegal crashing out and I said against Poland you concede from a header, against uh, Japan you concede from a header, against Colombia you concede from a a headed goal Uh, but aerially in terms of your height on average you are better than Japan, you are better than Colombia, you are better than Poland in terms of the average height of the team and I get the point that you're making that If you cannot beat them from a tactical perspective, why don't you emphasize your coaching in standard situations where you drill them in terms of positioning when set pieces? Because that's the easiest thing to coach. I've found as a young coach that it's very, very easy to, to, to coach, especially coaching the defensive aspects of it. It's very difficult to coach against opening up. Uh, an opposition that is difficult to, to, to break, but the standard, um, the, the standard situations it's very, very easy to uh, you know, to coach. Uh, but in, in terms of Tunisia and Morocco and Egypt, uh, what would you say about them uh, particularly? Because I think Nigeria as well suffered from the same uh, situation as Senegal. They only needed, they had 30 minutes to defend against Argentina, but somehow they were ill-disciplined. The North African sides, what was your
5: observation of them? Um, look, Morocco, they played probably one of the most impressive football from the five African teams. Um, They were a bit unlucky, they actually written to FIFA um, with um, eight decisions that went against them throughout the tournament. Um, I feel, you know, it was always going to be tough for them in a group with Portugal and Spain. but they actually have done well. They were um, unlucky to lose the opener against Iran in the last minute mm-hmm. via an own goal. If they had won that game, um, their whole tournament would have maybe looked different. Um, Egypt, I don't know, they had the biggest disappointment for me. Um, obviously, they had this um, issue that Salah was injured before the tournament, he didn't play in the first game. Um, but even so, you know, I still thought against Russia, the host, in the second game, they would maybe be good enough for a win because um, it was their first World Cup since 1990. There was so much positivity around them, but they just couldn't, you know, bring it onto the pitch. And it came through in the in their final game, you know, when, against Saudi Arabia. I thought, wow, now they will go for it. They will finally get their first ever win at the World Cup. You know, they've never won a game um, at the tournament. And um, Saudi Arabia, you know, they were crushed by Russia, they lost to Uruguay, they were there for the taking, but yet again, um, the coach decides to sit back, have Saudi Arabia, who are not, you know, um, your Brazil, your France, you know, one of the dominant nations, but they let them have the ball, let them come at you. It's just very disappointing for me. Um, Tunisia, similar to Morocco maybe, they were in a very tough group. Yeah, Um, Belgium Belgium and England England were always gonna be difficult. They were both through after two games already. Um, I'm happy for them that they got the win at least, Um, their first win since 1978, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tough group. But if you look at the overall African performance, again, it's very disappointing. I just looked at the stat um, before I came to you speaking. um In the qualifiers, they only lost one out of 30 qualifying games, the five teams um, between them. Now at the World Cup, they lost 10 out of 15 games. That doesn't only paint a bad picture on the five teams that were there it actually paints a bad picture on the whole continent on the competitiveness of the African teams
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a very good observation as well because I always make the assumption I make the observation that the, be- the weakest European team is usually better than the best African team. And, and, the, the, and that shows um, with the statistics that you've just revealed now that we even struggle against your Russias, even though in terms of rankings, some of our teams are better than Russia, uh, for example. Taking a look now at the last 16, um, I want us to take a brief look at... Um, who do you think has the likelihood of of progressing maybe two or uh, three or four fixtures and who do we think the most difficult ones who do we think is going to progress through Uh, the first one that i'm noticing here uh, in front of me is france versus argentina Uh, take us through that games briefly
5: and and who do you tip uh, to go through Yeah, it's a very difficult game, game to predict um you know france um they qualified they had one of the easiest groups in the tournament i believe um they have so far not really you know shot the lights out they haven't played um any kind of um impressive football yeah. but they got the results they needed they finished on top of their group argentina we've all seen it um they were on the brink of a knockout um 10 minutes before the end of the game i think they scored a deciding goal yeah. against nigeria to make it through you know their world cup was already over after the final you know, um defeat against croatia but then you know they somehow managed to turn up and um, maybe that win can give them momentum until later in the tournament. I actually don't know um, between France and Argentina who to call. Um, from, a, from a talent point of view, uh, I think France overall have the better squad. Mm. But um, I personally don't um, think Deschamps is getting the best out of his players as a group. Um, and that's why Argentina, with the new momentum, they can maybe just edge it for me. Mm-hmm. All right, so Uruguay and Portugal quickly. Um, what do you expect there? <laughs> it's another really tough game to call. <laughs> Uruguay so far, they haven't conceded any games in the <laughs> tournament. Um, they look defensively solid. Um, they played their best game in the third game when they beat um, Russia, the host 3-0. Um, they have Suarez, who's finding the goals um, you know, they, they really seem to be. You know, they're one of those teams. They don't really look that nice on the eye, but yes. they know how to win. Yes, game. absolutely. absolutely. Um, Portugal, on the other side, you know, they started with a bang. Um, brilliant game against Spain um, when they got away with a draw. Ronaldo scoring three goals. But um, the next two games, they were not really as convincing. Um, so I think this game will mainly depend on whether Portugal can get Ronaldo on the score sheet, whether they can create chances for him. And um, if he scores one or two, Portugal will go through for me. And um, if Uruguay managed to keep him quiet, Uruguay will go through.
0: All right. There's also Russia versus Spain, Croatia versus Denmark, Belgium versus Japan, Colombia against England, Russia, uh, Sweden versus Switzerland. Um, but the one I want you to predict now is uh, the North Americans against the South Americans, Brazil versus Mexico. I think that will be an appetizing encounter. Uh, Brazil, have they convinced you? Are they now getting into their stride? Um,
5: What about Mexico? Can they get something from this? You know, um, both teams coming into this game is they have like somewhat opposing World Cup so far. Brazil started slow, um, but um, have looked better game by game. Um, I think Neymar, the more he plays, the better he gets because we must remember he was um, three months injured going into the tournament. He didn't play any club football since February. I see him, you know, getting better and better, and of course he's very important to this Brazilian team. So far, the best player in their side has been Felipe Coutinho, who's been phenomenal. You know, everybody thought Neymar would be carrying the team, but it's actually Coutinho that has been carrying the team. You know, scoring two goals and assisting um, a beautiful goal by Paulinho in the last game. Mexico, on the other hand, you know, they started with a bang, obviously beating the defending, Germ- defending champions Germany. Um, they played phenomenal football in that game, you know, their tactics were just spot on. Um, then they beat South Korea, Um was also still a good game by them, but then all of a sudden, you know, when everybody thought now they would top the group yeah. to get an easier opponent in the round of 16, they lose 3-0 um, to Sweden. Personally, I didn't watch the game, obviously, because Germany was on at the same time, but um, it's just also one of these surprise results for me, because now they have to play Brazil, and um, you know it's gonna be a very very um, physical tie. You know there will be lots of emotions. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know between two um, South American and uh, North American giants. Um, I think personally, Brazil um, should go through there, um, even though Mexico have impressed mainly throughout the tournament, but I think the quality in the Brazil squad is too much for for Mexico. And we've seen it now against Sweden that they can be exposed at the back. So I think Brazil will go through.
0: All right, that's Dave Capel. David Capel that is the international editor of Socola Duma. Thank you very much for your time and we hope to speak to you again in the next round.
5: It's always a pleasure.
0: Thank you very much for listening. I hope the World Cup fever is keeping you warm this winter. Catch the next episode next week. For now, it's goodbye. Soccer Duma Radio. Soccer Duma Radio.